from WSC FM and HD1 Columbia, I'm Ward Jollis. And I'm Erin Slowey. This is Localized from WSC News. Campuses across the country are shutting down after coronavirus outbreaks have made in-person instruction more dangerous than originally thought. This week, we're joined by Manning Feldner, a freshman from from USC. He's here to tell us how COVID-19 has affected his move-in and how he and other freshmen are navigating a new campus normal. That is, until coronavirus sends them home. Also, we'll hear from Maddie Ellis, university editor of UNC's student newspaper, The Daily Tar Heel, what it is like to get the word that UNC will go fully online just a week after beginning of classes and how their newspaper made national headlines. All that and more coming up on Localize. The news is first. Live from WSC News, I'm Tyler Fedor. An anti-Black Lives Matter protester took to Green Street today preaching sexist and racist ideology. Hundreds of students gathered around the man voicing their opposition. It's still unclear who the man is or why he was on campus. According to the university COVID-19 dashboard, the university now has 44 active student coronavirus cases and two active employee cases. The positivity rate is now at 1.6%, up from 0.4% last week. USC is releasing more information in regards to its football season this fall, including an update on decreased seating capacity. Although, as Tom Centinella reports, seating capacity isn't the only setback the Gamecocks are facing. The South Carolina football team is fully turning its attention to the fall with the first official practices starting this week. The Gamecocks will have to do so without freshman running back Marshawn Lloyd, who suffered a torn ACL in practice on Wednesday in a non-contact drill. He will miss the entire 2020 season. Gamecock fans finally know who the football team will be playing this year after the SEC released the updated schedules earlier this week. South Carolina will kick off the season against Tennessee at Williams-Brice Stadium on September 26th. This week, we didn't just find out who the Gamecocks would be playing, but also how many would be watching. Thursday afternoon, the athletic department announced their plan for 25% capacity this fall. This means Williams-Brice Stadium will welcome about 20,000 fans, Stone Stadium will have about 675, and around 200 fans can enter the Carolina Volleyball Center. Fans will be required to wear a mask when entering and walking around their respective venues, and staff must have one on at all times. As for the coaches and players, they'll be required to wear a mask or neck gaiter whenever on the sidelines. All of these measures are in place to prevent the spread of COVID-19. With WUSC News, I'm Tom Santanello. This Tuesday, as students returned to USC and the beginning of classes loomed, the Columbia City Council decided against imposing a new curfew. The decision was made due to the presence of Governor Henry McMaster's last call executive order, which prohibits the sale of alcohol at bars past 11 p.m. However, the council did say it was going to begin coming down on large house parties and gatherings. This news comes as saliva testing on campus has shown that 6.7% of tests from students came back positive, compared to a 0.6% from last week. To do this, the council updated a piece of legislation on rental properties. According to the change, both renter and landlord can be held guilty of a serious offense if any sort of large house gathering is undertaken, while more than one offense can result in losing one's ability to rent the property. The first day of classes at USC are under, was underway, but for many, that meant staying home and tuning in online. WSC's Abigail Brandon has more. Over the summer, professors had to make a difficult decision. Should a class be held online, in person, or a combination of the two. In-person classes provide a structure to the day that some students may need to stay motivated, while online classes provide an added safety measure in the times of COVID-19. 
Student safety was a major concern of those professors who did choose to go online, and for foreign language professors, logistics of a socially distanced, face-to-face classroom had to be taken into consideration. With masks muffling speech and six-foot spaces hindering conversation, online seemed to be the right choice for some professors. Lab classes, however, where students would need school-provided materials, made most sense with a face-to-face model. With WUSC News, I'm Abigail Brandon. The political battle over the U.S. Postal Service, or USPS, rages on this week. The fight which pits the left against the right is now moving to Congress. WSC's Stephanie Justice reports. The political debacle over the United States Postal Service continues as the House of Representatives is set to return to D.C. tomorrow to vote on emergency legislation that will provide the agency with $25 billion in funding despite pushback from the Trump administration. House Republicans have also criticized the House Democratic leadership's decision to return to D.C., including House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who has said that Democrats are pushing conspiracy theories about the USPS to undermine faith in the the election. Meanwhile, Louis DeJoy, the current Postmaster General, is set to testify before the House Oversight Committee on Monday about policy changes such as dismantling sorting machines, which Democrats say could disenfranchise thousands of voters come November. Needless to say, the USPS will be a political issue for months to come. Stephanie Justice, WUSC News. I'll pick you up after school. Okay, I got it. It's easy to take a day for granted. You and your family are connected by routine and you stick to it. But what if a disaster strikes without warning? What if life as you know it has completely turned on its head? What if your day's routine is disrupted and you can't reach your family? Have you planned for that? Before a disaster turns your family's world upside down, it's up to you to be ready. Get a kit. Make a plan. Be informed. Today. Learn how at www.ready.gov. Ready.gov. This message brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency and the Ad Council. Listening to Localize from WSC News. I'm Erin Slowey. Today marks the end of the second day of classes for USC, and many people are wondering just how long it'll all last. Though many classes have already gone online, there's still a large amount of students taking in-person classes. While the university has implemented several safety measures, like the requirement of face coverings inside all buildings, COVID cases are expected to see an increase with the arrival of so many students from all over the country. UNC Chapel Hill saw the consequences of such an increase this week, when several clusters of COVID cases were detected among students. After only two weeks of classes, the university announced it would be going fully online. Here with me to talk about what it's been like to be an incoming freshman through all this is freshman Manning Feldner. Thank you for joining me. Joining me. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? It's great to be here. Yes. So tell me a little bit about what the move-in process was like for you. 
Um, for me, the move-in process was actually uh, surprisingly very smooth. Um, we pretty much we got there and we unloaded our stuff, and checked in, and everything went really well. And on that side of things, and then we kind of moved it up. I'm in the capstone building, and and we kind of went up the elevators and unpacked, and everything was ultra smooth and went very well. So, were you able? Were your parents and friends able to move in with you? Help you move My in? parents helped me move in, and we pretty much got everything in one trip or one or two trips, and it was it was great. So, all USC students that are living on campus had to get tested before moving in. Did you get tested at USC or at home for you? I did. I, I was at home, and I did like a um, CVS pharmacy test. Mm-hmm. So then, was college life what you expected within this, these first couple of days, even under these circumstances? Um, I would say it's actually been it's actually been a little better than I expected. Um, even with you know all the COVID implications that we've had, I've, I've thought my college experience so far, based on you know since my move-in day, has been really good. Everything's been super smooth. I mean, everybody seems to be doing a great job wearing the masks, and everybody's been super friendly. And I have no complaints. I've been very impressed at at how the college experience is going. Mm-hmm. So, are most of your classes in person, online? hybrid um i have two that are in person and then three that are online okay so have you gone to any in-person classes yet i'm curious to hear how those went i have today was my um first two in-person classes and both were surprisingly well um i would say they were pretty normal other than our seat our seating was you know socially distanced um and we wore masks but other than that it was a pretty normal first two day or first day of in-person classes yeah so do you feel like most of the students are following the university's policies related to COVID-19 yeah I, I definitely think so um it's it's rare that I see someone who's not and everybody seems to be you know actively supporting it because I, I think we all want to hang around and, and you know stick out this semester mm-hmm. so there are a lot of new measures on campus do you so do you feel safe on campus while you're here both living on campus and attending classes on campus I do. I feel I feel like everything has been handled and everything's been thought out and that we're on our way to having a successful semester. Mm-hmm. So something I've heard a lot of people talk about is trying to find a community when they come to college. Do you feel like you're able to do that even under these weird times that we're living in right now? Like are RMs making it like easy for you guys to build a community in your dorms? Surprisingly, yes, that was kind of one of the things I was um, had some concern about. But um, as far as our floor, we everybody kind of got along right away from our meeting with our RM and everybody got along. And we've all been kind of, you know, walking to our classes and eating together and just hanging out. And it's been a very great, great experience. And we've all gotten along very well. Did you end up going to the Carolina kickoff that was the last couple days? I did. It was super cool. It was it what you expected from like did you get a lot out of it? I did. It was um it was really great and it was, you know, cool to hear the band play and and see everybody, all the incoming freshmen and everybody involved with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm sure you know the saliva tests have just now become available for USC students, faculty and staff. Do you think this will have an impact on mitigating the spread of the virus on campus? Um I definitely hope it does. Um 
with I think with the testing, it definitely brings you know it helps you know you helps you to be aware if you have it or not, and that you know then you can quarantine and and hopefully slow the spread and hopefully you know get well and rest up and and get better. And I definitely think that'll mitigate some of the some of the outbreak in that more people are aware they have it and they know that they're not spreading it. Mm-hmm. So, are you a f- sports fan, Manning? I definitely am. So I don't know if you saw the Gamecock Athletics just released the football stadium capacity at 20,000 fans. Do you think students should get priority for tickets? Um, I know that they got to do what they got to do, but I definitely think it would be super awesome. Um, as a freshman, that was one of the things I was really looking forward to. Um, and given this unprecedented time, I know that certain measures have to be taken, but it would be super cool. To, to go to those games. Well, perfect. That's all the time we have. That was USC freshman Manning Feldner. Up next, we'll hear from Maddie Ellis from the Daily Tar Heel. We'll be right back. Have you considered eating a local food today? Locally grown food biologically tastes better. During shipping and transportation of foods from far away, sugars turn to starches, plant cells shrink, and produce loses vitality. Local food supports local farm families and communities by paying farmers full prices, eliminating store chains and middlemen, investing in land-owned ownership, and local decision-making. A marketplace of tens of thousands of small local farms translates to fair prices, Produce, diversity, and good foods for you, the consumer. Community-supported agriculture promotes a greener earth by reducing transport and packaging costs. Try local and homegrown food today and taste the difference. This message is brought to you by USC Students Allied for a Greener Earth. For more information, visit the Carolina Farm Stewardship Association website at www.carolinafarmstewards.org. Every food purchase we make supports the system and land that grows it. Organic certified foods are grown free from pesticides and genetic engineering. In the United States, the foods are certified by the USDA National Organic Program. Organic farmers support sustainable agricultural practices like crop diversity, soil nutrition, and healthy air, water, and land. Studies show that organic foods hold a higher nutrient content than the conventionally grown food. For example, organically grown potatoes, oranges, and vegetables hold more vitamin C than the conventional alternative. Because organic farms tend to be smaller operations, farmers can sell products more farm fresh than the comparable conventional produce. Try certified organic food today and taste the difference. This message is brought to you by USC Students Allied for a Greener Earth. For more information, visit www.organicconsumers.org. listening to Localize from WUSC News. I'm Ward Jollis. 
While reactions to coronavirus outbreaks on college campuses have littered social media over the past week, one has stood out among the rest. The Daily Tar Heel made national news, running a headline reading, UNC has a cluster F on its hands. That's an expletive. I can't say it on air. Um, and th- this all comes after four COVID-19 clusters were identified on UNC's campus. Not long after the headline was published, the university made the announcement that it would revert to fully online instruction in order to prevent further spread of the virus, leaving many students upset and angry that things went wrong so quickly, just a week after the first day of classes. Joining me now from Chapel Hill is Maddie Ellis. She is the university editor for the Daily Tar Heel, who has been covering uh, this breaking situation. Maddie, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So, Maddie, things quickly deteriorated at UNC over the course of the week. Um, but walk me through this a little bit. How exactly did this all go down? How did, how did we get here? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So, I, I'll start with Move In. So, Move In started August third, and during the week of Move In, there was a series of protests, letters, petitions, just different stakeholders in the university's opening asking for remote classes de-densified housing, just asking for a rolled back reopening. But that didn't change. We had the first day of classes on August 10th, a week later. The first we heard about the clusters was the following Friday. We heard of two clusters at residence halls, and then throughout the weekend, we heard of two more. So that was a lot to summarize a two-week period. But going into the following Monday, we knew of four clusters. The DTH wrote its editorial. And then that Monday at 3 p.m., UNC finally updated its COVID-19 dashboard. And we finally got more clarity into just specifically how bad the COVID-19, how bad COVID-19 had spread onto campus. We found out there were 135 new campuses just from that first week since classes started. 45 minutes later, the chancellor announced that classes would move remote. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Maddie, I recently actually read a tweet from a professor at UNC. Uh, her name is Dana Griffin. I'm not sure if you've seen the tweet yet. Um, she posted a tweet that said, first class after UNC went full remote, I started with a well-being check, thinking it would last 15 minutes or so, and it lasted the entire class. My students are hurting. Maddie, what is the environment like at UNC right now? The environment is, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of uncertainty for what happens next. These are questions that we're asking ourselves too. I think one of the biggest factors that led to this um, sense of stress is that UNC announced that we were gonna have this reopening. They welcomed students back to class, back to especially on-campus housing. After classes were announced to go remote that Monday, the next Tuesday they announced that on-campus housing would effectively shut down unless there was an express need to stay on. So students were asked to cancel their housing contracts by August 25th. Oh, wow. Um, unless, and the application, they just released an application for students with hardships, such as a lack of internet access, a lack of safe housing. So there are exceptions to stay on, but the university will review those exceptions and determine whether or not students can stay. So just in one fell swoop, Classes were moved online, housing was taken away, and classes were expected to continue. We've still had class the past week. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of questions about what happens next, and all while juggling the rigors of, of 
a university schedule. Yeah, yeah. And, and you were the reporter on this story when it was breaking. Um, and so I just have to ask, when the news broke about this, were you shocked, surprised? I mean, did people at UNC see this coming? That's a good question. Um, I think people saw an eventual shift to remote coming. I think what surprised people was just how quickly it happened. It happened in seven days. First day of class was the 10th. Move to remote was the the next Monday. So it happened very quickly, but it's really important for me to really explain express just how just how um, actively activists, faculty, staff were pushing for UNC to make this decision before classes began. Over the summer, multiple groups on campus wrote letters, um, issued recommendations to the university, even filed petitions from house from campus workers, housekeepers, members of student government, faculty, all were saying that the plan is not going to work, and it didn't. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I know at Notre Dame, which is another um, school for listeners uh, who are tuning in right now, Notre Dame is another school that recently shifted to online learning. Uh, most of the cases at that school were caused by a particular party that happened off campus. I'm just curious um, if you know, uh, did a similar thing like that happen at UNC? This is a good question. Most of our understanding of like off-campus parties and events were from social media. So we did see there were mass gatherings. Um, we've even seen of several police reports cited to fraternity houses of mass gathering violations. So we know that there were off-campus parties happening. There's even a pretty viral video of some sort of slip and slide at a residence hall with just a bunch of people not wearing masks, not socially distanced. So we knew this was happening. Um, But also, a lot of people are expressing how people knew that this would happen, and we knew they knew that students might congregate in this way. So while these are happening, a lot of stakeholders warned people of this in advance and kind of saw it coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly a lot of students are hurting right now. Uh, They're upset about this decision. Um, They're wondering if they'll still have to pay full tuition, Um, you know, if they'll have to go home and, you know, just in general, what their future will look like. Uh, I can't even imagine how stressful it must be for all of you at UNC. I mean, the university, has, has the university come out with any support system of any kind that's supposed to help students out right now during this hard time? Yes, the university has um, issued many emails talking about support hotlines, resources for students. Um, but something I've been watching closely and my desk has been reporting on is very quickly we saw students mobilizing to support each other. Um, UNC Black Student Movement set up a mutual aid fund for and and by Black students basically to help each other through the financial hardships that this is causing. Um, There's a commission from the undergraduate Senate who also set up a similar fund. So we've seen donations pour in from the community for these students. Um, We also have community members from Chapel Hill and Carborough just across Orange County coming together um, and trying to offer emotional, mental support. They're even setting, they're matching up students who are in isolation dorms just with phone calls, just to talk with them, check in with them. So 
the university has emailed and been transparent in, um, about what resources are available, but we've also seen that support come from students themselves and from the community at large. Yeah, yeah. So Maddie, last question before I let you go, uh, just really quick. If you had one message that you wanted to convey to students listening here at USC right now about the current situation at UNC um, and what we can learn from your experience, uh, what would that what would that be? Speaking as a reporter and as someone on the university desk reporting on this, I've had, it's been stressful working on this, but also so rewarding to hold the university accountable. So ask hard questions of your university, ask what they are doing to stop this, um, ask what the situation is, because I think information and understanding of this is power. All right. Yes. So thank you so much, Maddie, uh, for joining me today. Um, That was Maddie Ellis, university editor for The Daily Tar Heel. Thank you so much, Maddie. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for this episode of Localize. Make sure to join us every Friday at 6 p.m. for a local take on this week's biggest stories. Localize is a production of WSE News and is produced by Mary Brian Charles and Ward Jollis. The outreach coordinator for Localize is Rita Nadu, and the music for the show is called Freedom by Atch. You can find other news shows and WSC News podcast at garnetmediagroup.org. Live from WSC News in Columbia, I'm Ward Jollis. And I'm Erin Slowey. This is Localize. Nice.